0: Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout and get a real That's shopify.com slash special offer. Paul Krugman is worried about the decline of Pax Americana, and he points at you as the problem. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. This is B-R-I-O-N-McLanahan.com. Why are you there? Give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook. Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McLanahanAcademy.com always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll. And, of course, purchase one or 20 classes there. Keeps this podcast free of charge, or five classes, or two classes, whatever it is. I do have a coupon on my latest class, The Age of Jackson. Use the coupon code Manifest Destiny. get $80 off. That coupon will expire fairly soon, so you're going to want to get that because it is the lowest price you'll ever see on that class. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. Click on the heart button under the video if you're watching on YouTube. You can also go to Spotify for podcasters and throw a few pennies my way. But painlessly, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Leave it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. And send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. All right, well. Years ago, there was a podcast called Contra Krugman. And some, some of you who are, of course, you know, Tom Woods fans or Bob Murphy fans know about that podcast because it was pretty popular. They actually went on cruises, and, and Paul Krugman himself commented on the podcast. And they shut it down, I want to say, about three years ago. Uh, but Paul Krugman, of course, has continued to write. Paul Krugman is one of the most important leftist columnists in the United States. Why, I don't know, because Paul Krugman is often wrong, or I should say is wrong about everything he writes. But that's the funniest part, because he keeps writing, and people keep reading it. And because people keep reading it, the New York Times pays them to put the column up there. It becomes good fodder for podcasts. Well, in this particular case, I want to talk about an opinion piece he just put out. And the title of it is Uh, The Strange Decline of America's Global Power. Now, this piece is interesting for a variety of reasons. He uses the term Pax Americana in this particular piece. And, of course, that's a throwback or at least a reference to the Pax Romana, which would be the period of time, the the, the, the translation of that would be The Immense Majesty of the Roman Peace. And the Pax Romana was the period when the empire was finally solidified. And this is after the age of Augustus. And you had this period of time where piracy was basically eliminated. And you had uh, open trade throughout the empire. And things seemed to be going well. All the civil wars ended. And of course that lasted for a time until you had strongmen come in and disrupt Rome, and you had all the political corruption and everything else, which was actually produced by the Pax Romana, or at least part of it. I mean, the the corruption was there before it, but the Pax Romana put it on steroids. And, And I've talked about this on this show before. If you want to draw parallels to any period of time in Western civilization with the United States, you need to look at Rome, because the decline of Rome is uh, is instructive for what's happening here. And Paul Krugman can't see it. He's going to blame you. In fact, what he does is blame uh, political opponents, the far right and in some case the far left, uh, for the problems. Which I find fascinating. Because Krugman doesn't see himself as the far left. And maybe he's not. But one thing that I will say about Krugman... Krugman is, if you look at American historical examples, Krugman is a Tory mercantilist. That's what he is. Now, he'll speak in terms of democracy and uh, civil rights and equality and these things, but that's just a way to get people to like him. I'm not sure he's really committed to those things. But Krugman is an old Tory mercantilist who loves the power of the state Because the state can then control the economy. And he loves the power of the state because it can create an imperial structure. This is the same kind of thing you saw in people like Alexander Hamilton, Daniel Webster, John Marshall. These are the old American imperialists. And culturally, he's much like a Puritan. He's a political Puritan in that way. Though not as... at least he says he's not as far left as someone like Cortez or some of these other people, the squad. But the fact is, Krugman wants an America where you don't really rely on real federalism. That's a block. That's an obstacle to anything he wants to do. You don't rely on the traditional American foreign policy, the traditional American economic model, no. And you could say, well, Hamilton was a traditional economic model. No, he wasn't. In fact, there was a lot of resistance to this. Hamilton only got that through because of the coup of the Constitution and because the first Congress was in line with what Hamilton wanted. But if you look at what happened after Washington and Adams, there was a general resistance to that. Now, you could say that in the second term of Jefferson's administration and then in the Madison administration, there was a rethinking about this, and they had kind of come to accept Hamilton's positions, but then you get Monroe, and you get Jackson, and on down the line. You get Van Buren, and I mean, Americans had generally rejected this kind of state capitalism that the Hamiltonians, and then later the Whigs, tried to force on the American public. Overall, Americans were resistant to it. In fact, the real key to understanding early American history is that the men like Hamilton and Marshall and, and Webster and the Nationalists were the minority. And they were the, the uh, problem, not the state's rights people. The Federalists were the majority. The Federalists with a lowercase f, not the Federalist Party, but the Federalists with a lowercase f for the Federalist faction. The Federalists wanted to maintain the Republic, the Federal Republic, that had been established through the Articles of Confederation and that had been promised to them during the ratification process. The nationalists were the thorn. The nationalists were the burr under the saddle. The nationalists were those who were creating the problem. I talked about this yesterday. The real, I mean, this is why this piece goes so well with what I was mentioning with Trump. Is Trump really the problem or is Trump more a of symptom of the disease? The disease is the Republican Party. And the Republican Party were nationalists and they were destroying the original Constitution. Now, When people like Krugman or others use the Constitution, they start talking about the Constitution, they don't like the original Constitution. That Constitution would not work for them. What they like are Supreme Court interpretations of the Constitution and the 14th Amendment. What they like are John Marshall interpretations of the Constitution. What they like is the 1868 political revolution that produced the 14th Amendment. And then all the subsequent Supreme Court decisions in the last, say, 150 years that have increased federal power. In fact... The next class I have coming up at McClanahan Academy will deal with just that. It's going to be a great class. It'll come out early November, um, and that'll be the last new content of the year. But um, It is a class that you're going to love because it deals with some of these things. These people only like the Constitution if they can interpret it their way. The Constitution as ratified does not work for them. It never would work for them because it would limit power so much in the central authority. That they couldn't do any of this stuff. So let me get into this piece because I find it fascinating. And of course, unfortunately, nowadays, the only thing you're going to get in your news field is Hamas and Israel. I mean, it's. Uh, there are so many other things to talk about other than Hamas and Israel. It's unfortunate that that's all that's there. Uh, <laughs> the, Israel's not the 51st state, even though it wants to be. And even though many members on the right want it to be, just like Ukraine is not the 51st state, but those on the left want it to be. I mean, this is embarrassing, really, for both factions in the United States. There isn't really an American uh, foreign policy. It's whatever foreign policy some foreign entity wants. That's our foreign policy, and we're going to spend billions of dollars to do all this stuff. It's just absolutely ridiculous. When we don't have it, we're just going to print it. So unfortunately, I have to talk about that. Uh, I'd, I'd like to try to avoid it as much as possible because it's just really, frankly, not that important for the United States. So the piece says, when Hamas attacked Israel, Republicans knew whom to blame. President Biden. Donald Trump asserted that the attack wouldn't have happened if he were still in the White House. Mike Pence, while condemning Trump for praising Hezbollah, asserted that Biden was somehow endangering U.S. interests by projecting weakness. So, right, I mean, look, this is partisanship. And if the roles were reversed, if Donald Trump was in office, the Democrats would have done the exact same thing. Well, if Joe Biden was there, this never would have happened. If we had a real adult in charge and not some mean tweeter, uh, I mean, if if this would have been better. Now, logic doesn't, doesn't serve this. And here's why. When Trump was in office for four years, he didn't have this. You didn't have any situation in Ukraine. The world was relatively peaceful when Trump was in office. When Obama was in office, it wasn't. When Biden's in office, it wasn't. I mean, simple logic and looking at just results of the two would, would show you that this just isn't the case. In fact, I remember years ago, I had a student who was, uh, he was in, the, in the Army. He's a sergeant in the Army, retired. And he used to love to say Democrats, his phrase was Republicans start wars and Democrats, uh, you know, conduct wars. It's kind of how he looked at it. Or, you know, if you want a war, get a Democrat, in other words. Democrats, I mean, you look at the major wars of the 20th century. World War I, Woodrow Wilson. World War II, Franklin Roosevelt. Korean War, Harry Truman. Vietnam War, Lyndon Johnson. Now I know the Vietnam War, there's, you know, of course you had... Eisenhower first looking at that, but or Kennedy, Vietnam War, Kennedy Johnson, right? And then you get into the modern era and, uh, you know, past the 1960s, and you have a progressive George W. Bush, the global war on terror. I mean, Bush is the darling of the left right now. They love that guy. In fact, I mean, this has been floating. I saw something the other day that. People are floating George W. Bush as Speaker of the House. I mean, how ridiculous. But either way, I mean, the issue here is that when Trump was president, you didn't have this. The problems in Syria and other, I mean, North Africa, well, Obama's in office. The Democrats are awful on foreign policy. They always have been. The progressive's always been awful. If you want a war, get a progressive, because that's what you're going to get. And people just don't see it because they played the RD game too much. Progressives are dangerous. They're dangerous internally. They're dangerous in foreign policy. They're dangerous domestically, and they're dangerous in foreign policy. They're the most dangerous political faction in the world. Not just here in the United States, but in the world. They are violent, and they are power-hungry, and they will do whatever they want to get it. So Krugman says, like much of what the American right says these days, these smears were both vile and infantile like much of what the American right says. Yeah, I mean, I guess Krugman hasn't watched the American left on TV too much. How about a better phrase would be, like much of what the American establishment political class, like Paul Krugman as well says these days, are vile and, more importantly, infantile. In fact, Paul Krugman can't get out of his own way for being, uh, well, I'm not going to call him stupid, but for being so historically ignorant that he writes stuff like this. No, the U.S. president isn't like the Green Lantern, able to shape world events through sheer force of will. Well, I mean, you got to have a mo- you got to have a reference to a comic book, right? Because you're not infantile. <laughs> I mean, think about that. He just called the right infantile, and he makes a comic book reference. I mean, is he a teenager? So is he, uh, is he sophomoric? So if the right is infantile, is he sophomoric? And he's running around reading comics. And Biden has, in fact, taken remarkably tough positions on foreign affairs, much more so than his predecessor. Oh, yeah. Well, what's that gotten you? More generally, it's striking how both the far left, which has no significant influence on the Democratic Party, that was the funniest statement I've read in this entire piece, The far left has no significant influence on the Democratic Party. Are you serious? The entire leadership is the far left. Nancy Pelosi is the far left. Now, I know she's not in a position of power anymore, sort of, but I'm sure behind the scenes she still pulls the leader. The squad. Hakeem Jeffries. All of these people are the far left. Kamala Harris would be considered the far left. Well, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. In California, she was tough on crime. Oh, really? What's she doing now? Right. That's the far left. The far left controls the Democratic Party. This is the most idiotic statement in the entire piece. And there's a lot of idiotic statements in it, but this one's really bad. So he says the far left doesn't control the Democratic Party. And the far right, which largely runs the GOP. Now, that isn't true either. We're seeing it. You had eight people who were willing to stand up to Kevin McCarthy. Eight people. They run the GOP. And I am not even sure those are really the far right. I mean, this is just ridiculous. The far right has no voice in the Republican Party. The Republican Party is the same Republican Party it's always been, which is a leftist party. If you don't think so, just go back and look at what the Republican Party used to say and compare it with what the Republican Party says now. It's the exact same thing. It's always been a leftist party. It's never been anything but that. An imperialist leftist party. The far right has no home in American politics. He says these people are American solipsists, which is, you know, they can't get out of their own brain. They're the most important thing. They blame U.S. leaders for everything bad that happens in the world, denying foreigners any agency. So, but, but the fact is, if the, the funny incongruous thing about this piece is that he's saying we have the Pax Americana, where American leadership determines the world stage, but yet when people say that the United States is to blame for these problems, that's a problem. So which one is it, Krugman? Does the United States control the world stage or uh, do we not? You can't have it both ways, but that's what Paul Krugman often does. His pieces are illogical and so historically inaccurate that why anybody would read Paul Krugman and believe anything he says is just a joke. That said, even serious students like Paul Krugman, of course, he's not really that serious, but only serious students of international affairs are noting that the world seems to be becoming more dangerous, with many local cold wars turning hot and suggesting that we may be witnessing the end of the Pax Americana, the long era in which U.S. economic and military dominance limited the potential for wars of conquest. But again, uh, what is it? If we have the Pax Americana, where American dominance kept everything from happening. But now, when people on the left and the right say, well, American lack of American leadership or whatever it is is causing problems, you can't say that. But, well, serious students say that these things are the result of the decline of American dominance. (laughs) You really can't make this up. This is absolutely ridiculous. But then he says, but why is the Pax Americana in decline? You might be tempted to engage in economic determinism, saying that the United States has lost influence because it doesn't dominate the world economy the way it once did. It's not dollar diplomacy anymore. Again, when I said who Paul Krugman was, Paul Krugman is a Tory mercantilist. In the late 19th century, he had dollar diplomacy. Send the navy wherever the dollar goes. Well, when that happens, you're going to get the United States involved in a whole lot of foreign conflict. This is why, this is why people, uh, you know, wanted. If you look at the original founding generation, what they said, you know, peaceful commerce and intercourse with all, right? We're we're just going to trade with you. And if you do attack our commerce, then we will use the navy. I mean, Jefferson did that in North Africa, but. The fact is, um, this is all part of the American Empire. Krugman would love to be an American, you know to have the United States be an empire. I mean that's that's really what he wants. Not a hard empire, but a soft empire, right? You don't have colonies and even though we do. Uh, but you don't go out you know, filibustering and creating all these problems even, again, even though we do. Uh, even the CIA has now admitted that they destabilized Iran in the 1950s. I mean, this, this is the thing. You know, this is what the United States has done. Oh, by the way, uh, I mean, that's you know, another part of the American empire. He says, while there was a big decline in America's share of, the world, of world GDP between 1960 and 1980, since then that share hasn't had a clear downward trend, though it has fluctuated with the foreign exchange value of the dollar. Yeah, it's just about the foreign exchange dollar or the value. It doesn't do any, it has has nothing to do with printing trillions of dollars. That has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with any of the economic decisions made by our central bank or our government policy. Nothing. It's just about the foreign exchange. (laughs) That's it. It's just the foreign exchange. Absolutely. Mind-numbingly stupid. And I will say that. Indeed, our strong recovery from the COVID recession, yes, our strong recovery, combined with the stumbles of some geopolitical rivals, make U.S. makes U.S. economic dominance look more durable than it has for a long time. Some stumbles. Like, they print more than we do. <laughs> so, we don't print as much as they do. So then, therefore, they're stumbling and we're not even though we're heading to stagflation. I mean, this is, now people are talking about this. And if, for, for uh, younger people that listen to the show, maybe you're not familiar with stagflation, but that was what was going on in the Carter administration. And it was caused in part by the inflation of the late 60s and early 70s, which uh, was because the United States went off a hard money policy, right? We detached the dollar from gold and silver, and then we had a huge spike in the amount of money printed, and that's because of guns and butter. This is a decision that Lyndon Johnson made because we needed to finance the war in Vietnam and the Great Society, and we didn't have the cash if we were going to tie everything to precious metal. So, Richard Nixon, knowing the big the problem when he became president, detached the dollar from any kind of anchor. And the dollar was supposed to be treated like gold because we weren't going to inflate. Well, that didn't happen. And so then we get inflation. We get massive inflation, particularly, you know, during the early 70s. This is why Gerald Ford had his idiotic campaign pin. Win! Whip inflation now, right? W period, I period, N period. It was whip inflation now. And then so when Jimmy Carter becomes president and he puts Paul Volcker in as chair of the Federal Reserve and Volcker jacks up interest rates into the 20s. Right? We, people, people don't realize. I mean, we think we're in pain right now with 8% interest. Oh, No. It could get worse. And the Fed will probably keep jacking rates. And I know that people, I mean, I I talked to a a banker the other day. Interest rates are going to come down eventually. Well, maybe eventually. But who knows when? And do they need to come down? I mean, the Fed is doing the right thing by jacking up interest. The problem is, if you compare the 1970s, the late 70s with with 2023, is that the United States deficit and our debt wasn't what it is now. We weren't spending nearly as much money in the late 70s as we are now. And so that's going to be the real issue. The United States government is going to run out of any discretionary income because it's all going to go to the, to, to finance the debt because of interest rates. There are some real problems facing the US. So eventually it might be forced to reduce interest rates because the the government can't it, it will default. Because it won't have any money to pay for the military, for Social Security, for Medicare, or any of that stuff. I mean, all the stuff that people like, you can't pay it. Salaries, all that's gone. So it's going to be forced. And at that point, you're going to see more inflation. So the only, the only way to stop this is to dramatically cut spending. This is what the eight people who blocked McCarthy were pushing for. To cut spending. It just has to happen. It's the only way to stop it you got to cut spending. The United States doesn't have a revenue problem. It, It brings in more taxes every year. People pay taxes, and they do their best to pay what they owe. The problem is the United States government keeps spending more than it takes in. That's the real issue. Indeed, our strong recovery from COVID. Again, I thought that piece, that line was funny. Uh, notably, many observers are now suggesting that China's GDP, measured in dollars, may never overtake America. China's economy is already larger in terms of domestic purchasing power, but this is less relevant for global influence. Oh, and despite all the hype about de-dollarization, the U.S. dollar seems, if anything, to be more central to the world economy than ever. Furthermore, changes in the world economy have arguably given the United States new ways to exercise economic power. The international relations experts Henry Farrell and Abraham Newman recently published Underground Empire, How America Weaponized the World Economy, a revelatory book that describes how modern globalization, which creates far more complex forms of interdependence than traditional international trade, has put America at the heart of an international web of surveillance and control. So the Empire is still strong, right? We still have Darth Vader out there and the Emperor running around. I'll just use, you know, fun little comic book references because that's what uh, Paul Krugman wants. But more importantly, it's, you know, the Romans, right? The Romans are still there. We're still being Rome. And the thing about Rome is that people didn't really think the Roman Empire disappeared until it did. They woke up, I mean, look, even in 800, Charlemagne was the Holy Roman Emperor. His capital was New Rome. And the Biden administration hasn't been all at all shy about using US power. Age Ukraine, well, fairly minor relative to the US budget. <laughs> look at look how he does this. Age Ukraine, While fairly minor. Uh you know, fairly minor. It's all relative. I mean, people talk about how much money this is, but it's just minor in the U.S. budget. I mean, it's just, you know, $100 billion or so. It's not that much money. When we spend, you know, trillions, what's $100 billion? I mean, what's $100 billion? This is weird. It's weird. The way that he tries to rationalize things is absolutely weird. Has been a major factor in frustrating Russian aggression. America has also aggressively deployed both its financial and its technological power to apply sanctions against the Putin regime. In the latest crisis, Israelis, including Benjamin Netanyahu, have praised Biden for his prompt support, which probably explains why Trump has lashed out at a former political ally. Yeah, because, you know, these kind of things don't do anything to destabilize the world. That's all about stabilization. Biden using money that he doesn't have, that they're just going to print, is stabilization. Furthermore, Biden has taken a remarkably hard line on Chinese technology. Where Trump huffed and puffed ineffectually against Chinese trade surpluses, which were never the problem, Biden has imposed sanctions that the Center for Strategic and International Studies calls a policy of actively strangling large segments of the Chinese technology industry, strangling with an intent to kill. This is projecting weakness. What would projecting strength look like? Again, Krugman is just a a shill for the Democrats. At the end of the day, that's really all he is. Yet it seems safe to say that the world no longer trusts U.S. promises and perhaps no longer fears U.S. threats the way it used to. The problem, however, isn't Biden. It's the party that reflexively attacks him for anything that goes wrong. See? See? It's you. The problem isn't Biden in being an, an American emperor. No, no, no. The problem is that people attack Biden. Maybe America isn't trusted, but it's not because of Biden. It's because people are attacking the emperor. People are attacking the center. Right now, America is a superpower without a fully functioning government. Oh my gosh, the House of Representatives isn't doing anything. Oh no. The horror. Specifically, the House of Representatives has no speaker, so it can't pass legislation, including bills funding the government and providing aid to U.S. allies. What an odd endorsement of the House of Representatives right now. See? Krugman exposes who he is. He's an American imperialist. He's a I mean, he's an old Tory mercantilist. He believes in strong central power. He believes in the power of the general government to do whatever it wants based on the 1868 Constitution and of course Supreme Court decisions. And we need to spend money all over the world. The House is paralyzed because Republican extremists who have refused to acknowledge Biden's legitimacy and prompted chaos rather than participating in governments have turned these tactics on their own party. It's all about that, right? They're they're against Biden's legitimacy. Republican extremists, they won't pass trillion dollar budgets. How dare they? At this point, it's hard to see how anyone can become speaker without Democratic votes. But even less extreme Republicans refuse to reach across the aisle. Well, they shouldn't. Again, this is what the Democrats want. They just want the power. The Republicans need to figure out. The Democrats really are. I mean, the left and the establishment Republicans. I think, look, the faction that's really blocking things has finally figured out. Establishment Republicans are really no better than the Democrats. Kevin McCarthy really wasn't any better than the Democrats. At the end of the day, he wasn't. It's just a slower march to get what the Democrats want. If you really want change, you're going to have to get different people in there. The problem is the Democrats control every media outlet in the country. Or the left does. I mean, just the progressives do. And so they're going to, the, the, the Republicans are going to get smeared. The issue, and I've said this before, the Republicans are going to get smeared anyways conservatives are going to get smeared anyways. Just do what you're going to do. They're going to attack you, whether you do it or not. So just do it. And even if Republicans do somehow manage to elect a speaker, it seems all too likely that whoever gets the job will have to promise the hard right that will betray Ukraine. Again, what an odd endorsement of the speaker if that's the case. Because we're funding their entire government when I'm sure there's lots of other things in the United States that could use that $100 billion if we're going to spend it but we don't really have it. Given this reality, how much can any nation trust U.S. assurances of support? How can we expect foreign enemies of democracy to fear America when they know that there are powerful forces here that share their disdain? Yes, the Pax Americana is in decline, but the problem is not lack of toughness at the top is the enemy within. It's you conservatives. You are destroying the Pax Americana. Now again, what an odd endorsement of conservative because we the empire is not the goal of the United States. A traditional American policy would not be American imperialism. That's the policy of the left. It's the policy of the Republican Party and then, by default, the progressives that were born out of it. That's not traditional America. So if this is what it takes, go for it. Go for it. Anyways, this is why Paul Krugman is so funny. He tells you who he is without actually telling you who he is if you just read between the lines. But, made for a great podcast episode, so I'll see you next time on The Brian McLeanahan Show. See you then.